You're listening to a devotion by Christ Baptist Church. For more resources, visit our website at ChristBaptist.org. Yesterday, I introduced J.I. Packer to you. For some of you, of course, that is a kind of reintroduction because some of you were already aware of him as a very prominent and prevalent Christian author. He lived for 94 years before passing away just a but a week and a half ago, and that's why he's on my mind, and that's why I want to take the time to make sure that if you don't know of the writings of J.I. Packer, then you definitely should. He was a man who, in yesterday's podcast, I tried to make clear as, a, as the sort of man who ran the race well, right to the very end. As I said, 94 years of life and 70-plus years of ministry, faithful ministry. Uh, just again to remind you, in case you didn't see yesterday's podcast, he was a British evangelical author and speaker. Uh, his first book that gave, gained him some acclaim and led to many more books, of course, uh, was a book called Fundamentalism in which he essentially came to the defense of Billy Graham as Billy Graham's ministry was taking off and he was talking about the Bible as the inerrant word of God. Uh, many of the those who were his critics, critics uh, determined that Billy Graham had no idea what he was talking about. And J.I. Packer, this evan British evangelical Oxford scholar, in, his, in essence, uh, came to his rescue and helped write what became one of the founding documents that uh, people would turn to to identify what does it mean when we talk about the inerrancy of Scripture. He, Packer also wrote a worldwide bestseller, over a million copies of Knowing God. I suggested to you yesterday that I think you should take the time to read that. So I hope you have ordered your copy already if you do not own one now. And you can read that when it comes. It is a work that will stretch you a little bit. But it's a work that's well worth reading, reading slowly and, uh, and grappling with it. Notably, one thing I didn't mention to you yesterday is that for the most part of, his, of Packer's adult career, he, did, he spent that time in Vancouver, Canada, where he was on the faculty with Regent University. There, from there, he uh, ministered around the world. He was a gentle and godly man who was unshakable when it came to the truth of God's Word. Well, today, I want to think through something Packer wrote that seems apropos it seems uh, relevant because of the times in which we find ourselves in the, this, what so many people are calling this crazy world, the situation around the world. It also seems relevant because it, of the, where we are in our sermon series in Galatians, in that emphasis we've been seeing on turning to Christ and seeing Him alone as the one who justifies us. And because of His blood, for, blood shed for us, we know that we are fully and completely justified and we are loved by God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit because of Christ's substitutionary atonement for us. So thinking through all of that, I want to think about this, look at and highlight various aspects of an article, a very short article that Packer wrote called The Way of the Weak is the Only Healthy Way. Packer begins in that article by quoting a common platitude, at least common in his day, which would have been the late 20th century, so, so many years ago, the platitude is this, it's a grand life if you don't weaken. It's a grand life if you don't weaken. And he noted there that the world loves strength. The world craves strength. Think of the history of the world, even up to the present day. 
The world looks to and appreciates emperors and kings and generals and explorers and go-getters and business tycoons and public intellectuals and athletes and bold politicians. All of these he mentions, and he talks about the, the unending mantra in the world today of self-reliance and self-sufficiency. And to get ahead, he talks about the fact that people will take seminars and courses and read books on assertiveness, uh, which is how to get your way uh, through verbal pushing and shoving to make sure that you can make your case and win the day. And that is what is valued, and that's how you get ahead, and that's how you get things done. And all of this, of course, falls, says Packer, under the syndrome of the success syndrome uh, that uh, seems to be so much a part of our Western culture. All of this leads, of course, to condescending pity or contempt for the weak. And here he quotes from 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 10. And speaking of Paul, uh, talks there that, that uh, Paul writing that letter. Uh, quoting those who would stand against Paul, that his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. But Packer goes on to say that according to, while according to the world, it's a grand life if you don't weaken, according to the Bible, he says, it's a good life only when you do weaken. According to the Bible, weakness, says Packer, is the essence of right living. We can think, for example, of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10, where Paul says, For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, what disturbed Packer in all of this was not so much that the world prizes and praises power. That's to be expected. What he was disturbed by was the way, the multiple ways in which the church buys into that agenda and allows the world to constantly inform and cajole and guide us and point us towards that very same end uh, as well as, as, as that they love, which is the end of power, the end of strength and success and so forth. So for example, he gives a number of examples, I'll, only, I'll give you two here. For example, he speaks of uh, the, this, our, the fact that our spiritual quality sometimes is measured by publicly measurable gifts or giftedness. So, for example, the great preacher is considered to be the godly man. Why? Well, because he's the great preacher. Somebody who is winsome in the, in the pulpit or someone who is powerful in proclaiming the word of God or someone who is uh, very persuasive in the way that they engage the congregation or engage the world, somebody who is able to speak eloquently, somebody who is able to hold your attention for a good long time, those surely are the godly people because their gift is so clear. Nothing is said of, for example, those who have the gift of helps, those who have the gift of administration who nobody, for the most part, ever really sees. You see, what the world has done is to convince the church in some respects, in some quarters, and in some minds, in some hearts, to convince the Christian that really what matters most is success. And the person whose success you can see because their gift is visible, that is the great person. That is the powerful person. Another example would be the great athlete who is a Christian. 
It can be assumed, and so often is, there's the assumption of powerful ministry and richly divine blessing. Why? Because here is somebody who is so, so attractive to the world, and that attraction that the world has can be used to turn the world on its head because they will have this powerful ministry to be able to say, ah, no, but turn your life to Christ. Again, it's taking what the world loves and the world values and thinking, yes, let's value that too as we pursue gospel ministry. In cases like this, worldly evaluations of power and strength and success, Packer says, have infected the church. And Packer then backs up and he reminds us that God gives strength to the weak for three things. First, God gives strength for endurance under pressure. Second, for faithfulness in serving God and others. And third, for resisting Satan's temptations and attacks. In other words, strength that doesn't impress the world. God does not supply strength to the weak to glorify them, but to glorify Him. And this brings us to the question, a question that Packer says is so absolutely vital. The the point of it all, really, is what he says. Why does God delight in his people being weak? Why so often does God permit, allow, even put us through situations in which we are shown for all the weakness that we have? The answer, of course, comes, he says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 2 Corinthians chapter 12, amongst other places. The answer that God delights in our weakness and the answer as to why God brings us through weakness and points out our weakness is so we will learn not to rely on ourselves. Again, that's the way of the world, isn't it? To self-reliance, self-sufficiency. All these sorts of things. The success syndrome. I can do this. I'm capable. God desires that we should see that we ought not to rely on ourselves. That is the worst thing to rely on. Instead, to rely on our Creator and our Redeemer. As Packer says, only those who learn to lean hard on God through weakness will be able to, as he says, stand steady and walk straight in resurrection power. I think that's a fascinating picture there that he gives us, that uh, Packer reminds us that when we have to lean hard on God, those who lean hardest on God, who trust so uh, implicitly and completely on Him, it's like the picture of the one who's trying to stand straight and walk straight. And it's only insofar as we are standing against the one who is already all-powerful that we can be straightened and stand tall. And it's only insofar as we are leaning on him and looking to him that we can even walk in a straight line. It's a tremendous image. We cannot do that apart from Christ. We cannot do that apart from recognizing our own weakness, our many weaknesses, And rejoicing as Paul did that when I'm weak, then I am strong. Why? Because when I'm weak, I'm required to lean on Christ who brings all power and strength and sustains us daily. Now, some of you, as I think about this, all that Packer said in this little article, I know that some of you continue to struggle in our day with everything that's going on, struggle with anxiety, struggling with depression, with despair, with discouragement and so forth. 
And without wanting to belittle what you are feeling at all, because it's real. Those of you who are wrestling with anxiety, those of you who are wrestling with a a strong discouragement, that feeling is real. That feeling can be scary. That feeling can be debilitating and it can be demoralizing. I wonder, have you thought of your experience as one that is intended? It's not by accident, but it's intended to force you to lean hard on God, to lean hard on Jesus. And my question is, have you been? Have you leaned hard by praying much? Have you leaned hard by reading His Word much? Have you leaned hard by, dare I say it, attending worship? and being with the people of God, the body of Christ? Have you leaned hard by taking part in a small group so that you can be surrounded by others who week by week will love you and care for you and pray for you and encourage you and cry with you and laugh with you? Who will be the very presence of Christ to you? Have you leaned hard by turning off and tuning out the voices that oppose God's truth and God's love? If not, start leaning hard on Jesus. And if yes, keep leaning on Jesus. It may be that you will need to keep leaning on Him and through difficulties for some time. But remember <clears throat> that as Paul reminded us, Turning to Jesus is the only thing that produces life out of death, strength out of weakness, hope out of hopelessness. And relying on and leaning on Jesus brings strength to endure, as as Packer said, it brings strength to endure pressure. And it also brings strength to resist temptation. The temptation to allow anxiety or discouragement or despair or depression to overtake you and dominate you. The one who has dominion in your life is Jesus Christ. And are you leaning hard on him so that you might stand straight and you might walk in the way of his love and his truth? And that you might move beyond yourself to have the strength and the power to serve God and to serve others for the glory of your Savior, Jesus Christ.